something a little bit different on today's Footy Talks podcast. With the Major League Soccer season just around the corner, we have not one, not two, but three guests on this week's show. My name is Mitchell Tierney. As always, I will be your host as we try this new roundtable-style format of the show. If it goes well, we will discuss recent transfer news and complications for Toronto FC, some bits of news from training camp, and of course, the first game of the year, which is only a week away. But first, let's welcome our Waking the Red roundtable of guests. First off, it's the man who has tried his hardest to turn the site into an arts blog. It's Jeffrey Nesker. Jeff, how are you doing? <laughs> Thanks. I'm good. Well, welcome to the show. Um, secondly, it's our arena soccer expert and general news writer at Waking the Red, Benedict Rhodes. Benedict, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And finally, it's the guy we turn to whenever a Toronto FC player gets hurt so basically we had him on speed dial last season it's uh, Tej Sahota. Uh Thanks for having me Mitchell and uh, I tried for the darnest to make it into a Legend of Zelda blog at Wake in the Red but uh, Jeffrey won out. <laughs> I think I tweeted after the uh, the final game of the season last year that we were now a Riverdale fan blog so I don't think yeah. that, uh, that ever happened but um um, let's uh, let's start with uh, I guess the the news of the day or the news of the the past couple of days in in the Toronto FC world, which is um, the Alejandro Pozuelo uh, news and and all the happenings with that. Um, he he's the player that Toronto FC have targeted as their designated player, a player um, who I think would actually be quite a good signing for them out of the Belgian league, one of the best Belgian league players in recent years. But of course, nothing has come easy for Toronto FC this off season. And, uh, it really does not sound like his Belgian club wants to let him go. That makes a lot of sense considering they have champions league aspirations and that sort of thing. But, uh, for Toronto FC, Jeff, uh, we'll start with you. I mean, with the way things have gone this off season, um, th- this can't be the way they wanted their designated player uh, potential signing to work out with this much, you know, complication. Uh, yeah, but it also I couldn't have wrote it better. I mean, <laughs> we've gone from being gank to Al Halal ourselves in under a month. It's yeah. ridiculous. I I mean, this absolutely smashes all previous TFC off seasons by a country mile. Uh, I want the season to start but I also don't want the season to start because I'm enjoying the off season so much <laughs> this is fantastic uh, and it just keeps getting better I mean Twitter is on fire right now with people like debating Belgian tort law which is <laughs> just just fantastic I mean just fantastic uh, Google Translate is my new best friend I love this stuff I love it I love it but I also want to see some football maybe with some guys yeah I know more about Belgian labor laws than I do about Canadian laws right now. The act, the act of 1978, is like firmly implanted in my head right now. I've been <laughs> reading so much about it in the last hour. So, Benedict, uh, the other thing that Toronto FC fans appear to have become experts on is the Belgian league, and apparently, uh, you know, it's not that great of a league if you if you believe some people. Uh, there's all kind of speculations uh, about the player and about. Uh, you know, I guess Toronto FC fans were, were kind of hoping for a bigger name here, but it was always, I think, going to be this way, that they were going to go after a player who was a little younger and, and maybe would be 
you know, costs a, tr- a bigger transfer fee, but not as much on the salary side of things. Uh, what do you make of the potential signing? I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's a player that they are they are closing in on, even if uh, his club doesn't want to let him go. Yeah, I think um, the thing with Pozuelo is it kind of came out of nowhere, I think. They've got all, 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 all kind of crazy names being thrown around on Twitter, like uh, Stefan Al-Shawari and stuff. Yeah. So I think Pozuelo kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, looking at how similar he is to how, when Victor Vasquez was in Belgium, mm-hmm. I think if he can perform the same way that Victor Vasquez played in that number 10 role, uh, I think it'd be a pretty decent signing as a DP for Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. I think, uh, you know, if if things go as planned, I mean, this is, you're getting a player like Victor Vasquez, you're just getting him a couple years younger than Vasquez was, and um, obviously, you know, the, the Vasquez injury situation and the amount of time he missed over the past couple of seasons, um, you know, made him a, a bit of a less valuable player in the in the overall sense of things, especially in a salary cap league. Um you know, the, the other part of this that, that doesn't make it so great is how close we are now to, to the Champions League, Tej. And um, what do you make of that? Because Toronto FC, as I said, they're playing in one week. They, you know, they're still trying to get a designated player signed and apparently two TAM signings as well. So that's very much not ideal for business. And in, in terms of, you know, this was kind of uh, what I was thinking about, uh, you know, kind of in preseason was the fact that they needed to get these signings done earlier so they could be kind of ready for, for the season. Yeah, I think it, I think they're basically up against the clock now at this point. Though we we have a game in less than oh in one week, and mm-hmm. um, it it sounds like even if the situation with Gank does get resolved, it would still be about five days for him to initiate uh, the exit clause. And by the time he gets to North America, the physical, um, I'm not sure if they're heading you know if you're ready to take him over to Central America uh, that quickly uh, without any practice time. I would reckon that the uh, lineup that we see next Tuesday is probably more similar to what we're um, what they've uh, put on the field tonight against the uh, mm-hmm. was it the LA Galaxy that I think they have tonight. So uh, at this point, he'd probably be an added benefit for round two, but sounds like it's a little too early right now to, to incorporate all these new players in. Jeff, you look like you have something could to share you, with the class. Could you imagine that this guy goes through like a legal battle to get to TFC, gets off the plane at Pearson, and it's like freezing rain, hail, ice pellets within 15 <laughs> minutes, and then they put him on another plane. He hasn't, he hasn't even acclimatized, and he's still got jet lag, and then they throw him on another plane to to face a Panama side. Uh, he doesn't know anybody's name yet. He doesn't speak English. Could you imagine? That's, that's just that's mind-boggling. Like Even if it works out with this guy... He's, he's coming into a side. I mean, we thought Aguilar Keche had it bad. I mean, this yeah. guy's, you know, yeah. like, how is he ever? Well, okay, uh, Je- Jeffrey, I think that's the point there is that hopefully the clubs learn their lesson from Akeche is, is that, um, you know, there wasn't that time for integration. We probably didn't get the best out of him and put him in a situation. I think the club put him in a bit of a situation where mm-hmm. we didn't allow him to succeed. So hopefully that's a learned lesson for everybody around there, especially for Greg Vanny to say, okay, maybe there is some more practice time with the uh, with the A team uh, before we just throw him out to the wolves out there. Yeah, and B- Benedict, if you want to kind of add on this, I think maybe – you know, Akeche, there, there, was, there wasn't necessarily a spot for Akeche in the way there would certainly be a, swat, a spot for a player like Pozuelo with, you know, Vasquez going out and not necessarily having, you know, at least a starting caliber number 10 right now. I mean, it looks like a spot where Toronto FC could really use some help. And, you know, Akeche came in last year and, and they already seemed to have a full midfield. So it was kind of a, a bit of a weird signing there. But this one really seems to fit in to, to the club itself. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, with Vasquez leaving, it opens up the starting spot. Whereas with Akeche, he was always 
likely going to be behind Vasquez, at least for the time being. So I think uh, Pozuelo is definitely going to have a starting opportunity if he gets in. But the question is, like, when does he come in? Maybe maybe by the second Champions League game or maybe even not but before the start of the season on March 2nd. Yeah, for sure, and that's that's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, the the other player that Toronto FC have been been fairly heavily linked to is Jonathan Menendez, who, who's a player um, out of Argentina on loan right now um, in the Middle East. So uh, a player that you know they would come in as one of their two Tamis signings. It sounds like they're looking at uh, if it would be done, it would be a six month loan deal with an option to buy, very similar to what they did on the on the Lucas Hansen deal. Um, this is a this is an interesting one. I think this is kind of um, this is kind of what you know they're they're kind of going for here is kind of giving these players an extended trial, you could say, um, you know, six months in the league because I know um, Tim Bezbachenko said this at at a Footy Talks event, one of the first Footy Talks events, um, that they they think about one according to the research about one in three foreign players who they bring in. Um, are actually a success in MLS. And, uh, you know, for as many good players as he signed, you can think of the Cantaris, the Cachés, even Gregory Vanderveel, uh, in terms of players that didn't necessarily work out. So this is a chance for Toronto FC to maybe get a look at a young player and, and see if he can integrate in. And then if they want to uh, make the decision, they can uh, they, they can sign him up. So what do you think of, of that potential move? We'll start with Tej, and then it uh, looks like Jeff has plenty to add as well. Yeah, no, I, I think um, Oro, Oro uh, uh, Jr. was, it was mm-hmm. a perfect example of that as well last year. Um, you know, they brought him in on a loan, and his versatility proved to be quite um, useful, uh, probably more so than they expected so with the injuries. Um, this is probably the new market inefficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the good clubs are always going to be looking at a way to, to take players on to loan and then being able to have that money to buy them off of contract. So um, I'm all for it, uh, mm-hmm. rather than rather than bring in players uh, like a Qatari who you actually signed and then had to release or a Vanderweel uh, bringing basically players in for a loan and then purchasing the contract that's the power of the MLSC money there uh, so it's, uh, I'm glad they're using it in a, in a way to benefit themselves uh, I had heard on in the Twitterverse that it's mm-hmm. actually a year contract Okay. Um, obviously until long, it's confirmed yeah. we won't know um, my opinion on the loans is bring them all give them all, all of the yeah. loans Every last one. Uh, the league is evolving, mm-hmm. and uh, South America and Central America are sniffing money. They want to test a pipeline. I say let's open the pipelines. My problem is is that it looks like Argentina and Brazil are going to charge a premium, and that uh, membership fee looks to be about $3.5 million. That's what Janssen was, and that's what mm-hmm. Menendez looks to be, um, which in a capped league with our system immediately puts him, what, at a DP slot, doesn't yeah. it? to say nothing of the international spot that he occupies. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a uh, measuring each other's ambition right now. And I, I'd like, you know, I, I do think that TFC as a marquee club should be looking at the other marquee clubs in South America. And if that means that we have to play nice and pay our membership fee, then so be it. Um, but yeah, give me all the loan deals, especially this year, all every last one, all the loan deals. Yeah, I know it didn't work with Hanson, but I wonder if some of these deals can potentially get negotiated down after the you know the full-on buyout clause because uh, it seemed like Tigre kind of stuck to that three point seven million or, or whatever. But you, you never know if if that will be the same with with Menendez if of course he does come in. Benedict, I also kind of wonder if if you know 
like Jeff mentioned, if if he is brought on as a you know a full time player, it would be in that DP range um, in terms of what we're hearing as a as a buyout clause um, for for after the loan deal. You know, there's there's a chance that Toronto FC lose one of their designated players this off season, and it could well be Josie Altidore. I mean, come come this summer, he could um, he could sign a deal. Um, to, to leave to another club. I mean, he does have that potential. His contract is expiring. I don't know if we'll see that, but it could well happen. Um, you know, it, could you see this as being potentially a, a safeguard should Josie Altidore leave the club in the summer? Uh, yeah, potentially. But I think a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter, for example, have seen Menendez as more of a wide player than Altidore is. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the issue with that would be if Altidore were to leave and we don't sign another striker before the end of the season, then we'd be in a pretty tough place with regards up front. Um, but then also Josie's been a bit cryptic online yeah. recently, especially on Twitter. <laughs> for Posting sure. The, the, the gif of uh, the kid crying after Seba left, for example. Uh, so I think um, I, I, w- I wouldn't look at Menendez necessarily at the moment as a long, as like a full replacement for Josie. But I think if Josie were to leave, Menendez were to work out in MLS, I could see that becoming a potential DP signing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant was, um, was yeah, just kind of replacing him as a DP. Certainly, Altidore will be interesting to see what they do. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, actually, about you know what they do surrounding the fact that he's actually not even healthy right now, and uh, they they have a couple of big games coming up that they need to figure out what to do about that. Uh, Tej, you have a you have well, yeah, I, I think I, I think one of the ways that uh, Toronto FC fans might need to stop looking at this is is um, that. Player X is a replacement for Giovinco, and Player Y is a replacement for yeah, Josie Altidore. Yeah, that's going to be impossible. You're not, you're, you're not replacing Josie, and you're not replacing Sebastian. So it's going to be a new style of playing. You, you mm-hmm. might not have a three-five-two anymore. You might see one strike. You know, I, I just think the dynamic is going to change so much here in the next three, four months as all the mm-hmm. players come in. Um, as 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 um, Jeffrey's saying, you know, bring in all the lone players, mix it up. Right now is where Greg Vanny's going to have to earn his money. Previously, it was fairly, you know. I think all four of us, if we rolled out an 11 card, we'd probably have eight of the 11 players same every week, week in and week mm-hmm. out, right? There wasn't much disagreement. Now it's going to be up to Greg Vanny to figure out, okay, what do these guys do? What are their strengths? Where do I deploy Bradley to bring out the most in these guys? And um, I think if we keep getting into this, uh, right, we, I mean, the, the TFC Live, hashtag TFC Live universe, of, <laughs> you know, this guy this guy isn't in a sufficient replacement. There's going to be disappointment, but... If they start, if they start using these guys um, in their roles, uh, which provide them in a more position to succeed, it, it's going to be a new TFC, um, and 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 that's you know that's where we where we go forward. And if they fail in those roles, then like Jeffrey said, just keep bringing in the next replacement, the next replacement, the next replacement until until we find a system that sticks. But I think gone are the days where this club is going to be spending seven and a half million to six and a half million on you know three designated players each. Um, and, and you know exactly the style of system that you're going to get year in, year out. It's going to a little bit more fluid, probably. Hey, go ahead, Jeff. I think we got spoiled uh, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, TFC Live uh, validates this. People are like, oh, yeah, let's not sell Sophie. Let's not grab Sophie Ann Hanny as a DP. We'll get him on TAM. The armchair GMing is is getting kind of ridiculous, and this this sensation that we're like, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona is also kind of nuts. Like, we need to understand that that the league has evolved 
And one of the consequences of an evolving league is that we're now a bigger part of the global soccer industry, which means we have to abandon a whole lot of our North American uh, uh, views on how sport works uh, with respect to players staying at a club forever, with mm -hmm. respect to um, you know players as meat and players as 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 pa as having power. Um, you know, I thought Atlanta United would be like this this year. I thought following the championship. Uh, that uh, losing Miggy would really, really send uh, Atlanta United into a tizzy. But I've seen the complete opposite. I've seen an unbelievable amount of sophistication where they've realized that this was the next part of his deal and that this was the club that letting Miggy go and especially letting Miggy go with that hard line negotiation, you know, Eel saying 30 million or, or go away. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up being like a coup in every respect for Atlanta and the fans are right there with them I like it boggles the mind that CFC as an older franchise uh, gets a taste of a, basically a perfect storm and then loses their collective minds when when uh, when that storm ends I mean this is football unfortunately or fortunately it's just <laughs> it's just the way it is Benedict you look like you'd something to add on this as well yeah going back to sort of what Ted was saying about um, about um, people Reacting and saying that the player X isn't Sebastian Jovinko's replacement. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Toronto FC are looking to bring in a replacement for Sebastian Jovinko in the yeah. same way that they're just looking to bring in another effective player. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should be looking at bringing in bigger names. I think we should be looking at bringing in more effective players, whether that's in the form of another Sebastian Jovinko esque striker or whether it's someone who can help Altador up the middle, such as Pozuelo. Because I remember recently Greg Vanny said that he wanted to use more wide players. Which could translate to using one striker. So yeah. if you have, instead of having instead of having two top of the line strikers, if you have one and one backup, that might be more of what TFC is currently looking for. Well, How many that's... other teams in MLS have a two striker DP roster in the history of MLS? Uh, yeah, I don't know if many. <laughs> uh, Ignacio Piatti and Drogba. That's probably the last. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's we're, probably we're, the other. Uh, Thierry Henry and Bradley Wright Phillips there at the same time. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, there you and, go. The, so and then before uh, they had Juan Pablo on hell as well as uh, mm -hmm. uh, Thierry Henry at some time. But they, I mean, but you're right. You're right, Jeffrey. I get your point. It's it's three examples in you know the 15, 20 year history, 25 years since DPs have been in. So yeah, it's it's, it's not a handful. Well, I think that's also probably part of the problem with having a player on such a good contract as Victor Vasquez is now your expectation of a TAM player is blown way out of proportion. I mean, that's that's a DP. That's a that's a designated player style player. Uh, so, you you know, you're probably not getting any other players for, for that amount of money. Um, I, I wanted to talk about uh, kind of what Benedict mentioned a little bit, and that's that's the one striker, um, you know, aspect of Toronto FC, which is really something I do think we'll see a lot this year considering you know, the kind of players that they have on their roster right now. I mean, I don't see them playing two strikers considering they don't really have two necessarily complementary uh, forwards up front the way that they did with Altidore and Chivinko. And we do know very clearly that they want to be ha have more wide attackers this season and, and play that way and, and use that as an outlet, which brings me to, you know, what can we expect from Toronto FC in the, in the early part of the this season? Because obviously Josie Altidore will be out for the first couple of weeks. Um, I, th I think it's probably going to be Terrence Boyd there, but do you go Terrence Boyd when, you know, obviously Jordan Hamilton hasn't been an amazing player or he hasn't had, you know, he hasn't may maybe taken advantage of his opportunities in the way we would have hoped um, in the last little bit, but 
Um, you know, he's a player that knows the system maybe a little bit better than a Terrence Boyd just coming in for the first time. Jeff, you, <laughs> you want to jump? Boyd just scored 16 minutes ago All right. in the Colorado game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like it's 2-2 two, two something for Colorado, for yeah. Toronto FC. Yeah. And uh, Oso started. Uh, Oso got the first goal just to there you give go. you so time. It's basically like the uh, preseason game they played against Colorado last year. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't. Re- did, was that one streamed though? Could I watch that one instead of like watching it on Twitter? No, I was talking about the the Champions League game against oh, uh, Colorado no. that, that their coach yeah, called basically a preseason game because uh, Colorado very much did not take Champions League very yeah, yeah. seriously last season. I but thought about that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so Boyd did score. Um, do, do you know? Do we think that is uh, that's where Toronto is going to go in the early part of the season? Because obviously, you know. The, it could work out, but that's not ideal having a striker play, you know, his first game in a knockout uh, Champions League you know, match <laughs> for the team. Uh, what's ideal at this point? I mean, yeah, you <laughs> either fair. either roll the dice on Floyd or you roll the dice on Jayhams or uh, you roll the dice on, on Baccaro or you roll the dice on Io or, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of dice. Yeah, Benedict, do you, you look like you have a point on this. Oh, yeah, just the, um, Jeff mentioned Iowa Canola. Mm-hmm. That's someone I think maybe could see some minutes in the Champions League games up front because I know we kept him from going to Europe last year mm-hmm. and he didn't really get as many playing opportunities as I'm sure he would have liked. So I think when better to get him sort of big game experience than in the Champions League, maybe either the, either the away game or the home game. Mm-hmm. Maybe Boyd gets the away game because he has more experience playing in sort of tougher atmospheres. But I can see Akinola uh, maybe getting the start at home. Yeah, Boyd himself is is kind of an interesting signing for me for Toronto FC because, you know, <laughs> there's just been no good timing for him so far. I mean, you, you look at when his signing was announced, uh, it certainly wasn't planned that way. I mean, minutes after Giovinco um, get, gets announced that it's, he's departing and everyone, you know, who doesn't know better just assumes that that's your Giovinco replacement right there. And uh, obviously that's not the case. He's more of a depth striker, but... Uh, and now he's going to have to start the season as the replacement for Josie Altador, which is you know, <laughs> super not ideal huh, when you want to think about it in the in you know the grand scheme of things. Uh, but you know this kind of strikes me as is one of those players that Ali Curtis was kind of known for signing with the, with the New York Red Bulls. I mean, uh, guys like Daniel Royer or Kamar Lawrence. I mean, these smaller signings that that at the time don't strike you as massive deals that end up being uh, very important players for the club going forward. It, it, you know, he's a player that. Obviously, he's been capped many times for the U.S. men's national team. He has a lot of solid experience over in Europe. I mean, he's a Bundesliga two um, striker at the moment. But you know, this one doesn't strike me as you know as bad as Toronto FC Twitter is is kind of making it out to be. Benedict, go ahead. And also, in, in preseason, a couple of times now, we've seen Ryan Telfer play up top. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, if either any of you think that's something we see a lot going in, on in the season, or do you think he's going to return on the left side of the pitch or? I think the time to play players out of position is over. Yeah. <laughs> let's like let's let these guys, you know, at least shine where they know how to play. Uh, that would be multiplying zeros at this point. So if it, it, the, the 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 only intriguing thing that I uh, like is I can't remember it was about two years ago maybe, and uh, there was a lineup. Uh, it was a can, uh, Canadian Championship League game, and I think it was against Montreal. Yeah. And it was uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Hamilton and Jonathan Osorio got the start up top. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was there was some 
a, a, a partnership, a chemistry that I, you know, that they just never, they never got a chance to kind of reimagine because they never got an opportunity to play together again. But uh, that, that's something that's intriguing, especially in a cold weather game in Toronto. They, you know, two Canadian guys have probably spent a fair bit of time in the uh, men's national team together at practices and, you know, can can play in the cold weather. I, I, you know, even if we do get uh, Pozzuolo in, I, I, I don't want to see his first game in minus 13, you know, with two feet of snow outside right now. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, he'll, yeah, he'll if run away. Like, we'll leave before yeah. that. Uh, so okay. keep, keep, keep him in a warm environment, you know, <laughs> wrap him up in heaters at the locker room. But, you know, that, so that's something that might be, uh, I'd, I'd wonder if they try out earlier because there has been some success there previously. And I'll never forget Kurt Larson telling the story of when Auro uh, before his first Champions League, heard what the temperature was going to be in Colorado for that first game, and just the absolute shock on his face. And it was like minus like twenty with the wind chill. He's like, "What? What did I sign up for?" Um, l- looking at training camp right now, and and we talked about a couple of the players that. Um, you know, a couple of the young players that we expect Toronto FC to uh, kind of get a chance this season. Jacob Schaffelberg uh, is a player who's gotten some interest uh, from Toronto FC this year. He's a player uh, probably not not on the radar for a lot of Toronto FC fans as he was uh, kind of signed for a Toronto FC 2 deal going into the season. But 19 years old, he came from the same prep school that Jack Harrison played at. And apparently the coach of that team said that he saw basically almost the same player as Jack Harrison, which is a pretty crazy quote considering Jack Harrison <laughs> got bought by Manchester City um, 16 goals 12 assists last season and you know he's getting credit for a player with a lot of speed we've seen those kind of split rosters for this training camp and he's always been with the the top roster um, so this is uh, you know at least one of the young players that I think we can expect under Ali Curtis to see at least a, a bit of a shot at the first team this year Tej are there any young players that you know maybe you think um, we'll, we'll see more of this year because Ali Curtis seems like a guy who kind of allocates minutes for for some of these younger players. Yeah, Mitchell, I'm uh, I'm gonna take a, a a bit of a an asterisk on my answer here, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not sure if it's the exact answer you're looking for, but Jordan Hamilton's my answer. Yeah, and which is to say, is he you know he, he was let go from the club, he's brought back into the fold. He's he's a he's a homegrown player for all intents and purposes, and this is his chance. This is his last chance to shine in 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 with an MLS club. Um, otherwise, it's you know it's, he's probably looking at it at a different league next year. Um, and if he's got all the opportunity, right? If Josie's injured for a little while. Uh, Terrence and uh, Pozzolo haven't had a chance to practice with the club. Uh, jo- uh, Sebastian's out in Saudi Arabia uh, doing the motorcycle on the golf swing. So <laughs> now, now if if Jordan Hamilton ever, he's not going to get a better opportunity to grab the bull by the horn. So this is a chance. This is a time where we see what the player's pedigree really is, and and that's my choice to, for the guy that I think is most intriguing. Benedict, anyone uh, you, you're watching going into this training camp? Right, someone I think you could uh, break out this year is Jay Chapman. I think uh, last year, Osorio was some uh, Jonathan Osorio was someone we thought had the potential to break out. But we hadn't really yet seen it from him in the league yet. I think uh, Jay Chapman is similar in a similar situation this year. Like, I think he showed uh, sparks of brilliance last year. I think this year is the year if he gets the opportunity, he could really break out. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that pick for sure. I mean, if you look at Jay Chapman's numbers, I mean they're up there with some of the best uh, players in the league in terms of his, you know, expected goals and expected assists creation. It's obviously in a small sample size as most of his minutes came off the bench when the, you know, the team was leading, but um, those are the solid statistics. And, 
that's kind of what Oso always had was at least decent numbers, and then he just never could put it up. So um, those are kind of the positions I'm looking at too in terms of of where some young guys could break through is the wings that, you know, they want to play with wingers now, but they're not necessarily very deep on the wings. So if there's a young guy who can grab that opportunity, it could it could definitely uh, pan out for them. And that number 10 position, you know, we expect them to bring in Pozzello, but we, you know, we don't know that when or if that's going to happen. So <laughs> for the time being, you'd want somebody in that attacking midfield position. Uh, Jeff, you look like you have something to add. No, no, I was going to like make the podcast 100,000 hours because I was going to ask my own question, which is, do we want Pozzello? I mean, and that is a loaded <laughs> question. So. Yeah. Maybe save that for the comment threads on on the site that we all work for, and 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 move on to your rundown stuff. All right. Well, you can uh, yeah, you can feel free to to answer that question in the comments section. I don't have this, to answer this that's, podcast. Yeah, that's why. Well, I, I smell a new six on a wave uh, call <laughs> yeah. coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, Tej, I did want to ask you. Uh, about the Altador injury that we've alluded to a little bit, uh, he had he's expected to miss um, at, at least the first few weeks of the season. He had off-season surgery for uh, bone fragments in his foot. I think this is an injury that he's had before. I mean, every injury he's had, it seems like he's had before. But um, I know, you know, you don't have all the information um, on this injury, but it's at least a little better than hockey's upper body, lower body uh, kind of thing. So uh, at least they give you a little bit more about that. Um, anything we can expect with you know him coming back and in the start of the season? Um, if you look at all, last year, uh, Altador began the season with a uh, what they called a an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on at the end of the season when they turned around to a foot injury. I think the two aren't unrelated. My guess is, I'm, I'm getting into a little bit into the medical bag here, but my guess is it's a bone called the talus, which is technically a part of the ankle joint as well as the foot joint. And it's very common for athletes that get jamming injuries there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just repetitive stress. And so this is this is repetitive stress, repetitive trauma. This isn't one of those freak injuries that he got because of a, a, a twist or a churn. This usually typically occurs because of too much pressure onto that foot or ankle. Josie's a big boy. Um, he he put you know he's putting a lot of uh, a weight onto those ankles, and this is something that we normally see as a player of his size progresses. I've I've been on you know anytime there's a foot or ankle injury in uh, in any professional athlete NBA NHL no matter where it is I'm always trying to find information and um, from what it looks like from what the trainers and the doctors have been saying I, I think that's what we're seeing um, and so to extrapolate that these type of injuries don't go away. Um, you're you're, you're going to be constantly hearing, you know, oh, Josie got shut down for a week because of inflammation. Josie got shut down for a couple of weeks here and there because the ankle was sore. And then they'll they'll downplay it and they'll say, that's oh, nothing serious. The x-rays came back negative. Um, but when you start getting bone fragments, you're basically losing the cartilage of the joint. And so you're rubbing bone on bone. And when you start getting that, that's problematic. So uh, listen, get as much as you can out of Josie this year. And um, as, as we talked about earlier, a sophisticated TFC fan base is going to have to learn that um, Josie's best years are probably uh, in the rearview mirror. And these injuries are only going to get worse. So uh, I I would suspect that we see probably about somewhere between 12 to 16 games missed from Josie this year off of an injury like this. Wow. So uh, I should mention, by the way, that uh, Tej is a doctor by trade and on staff with the Brampton Beast of the uh, ECHL. So it's not like he's just uh, more. <laughs> more. This is amazing. Yeah. It's yeah, not like he's just smarter. Uh, you know, it's just like us who, who see an injury and just go, oh, that's hamstring or something like that. Like he, he actually knows what he's talking about here. So, yeah, we definitely uh, 
we definitely do appreciate that. Uh, Benedict, you, you look like you have a follow-up here. I, I just saw something as I was preparing for the for the episode, and uh, it was Josie saying that he still thinks he has five, six, seven years left in him. And he said, I think it was to the Toronto Sun, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he was saying uh, he hasn't hurt any muscles. It's only been bones. So he thinks he still has five, six, seven years left. But I don't think that's viable. Uh, well, you know what? Um, he, he didn't have 20. Go back to his 2017 injury history. Mm-hmm. He pulled a hamstring off of a free kick in Vancouver. I think it was his first home game that we had. And he missed about six or seven weeks. Yeah. Um, when, when a player of that age, of that weight, starts pulling hamstrings off of a free kick or a penalty kick, mm-hmm. uh, and then he re-injured it a few times, Um his quads and hamstrings are only getting tighter. That means that's putting more pressure on the Achilles' compensation. So you're just going to have this like kinetic chain of like the injury's going to jump. It's going to feel like the injury's jumping around. One minute it's going to be the calf, then it's going to be the Achilles, then it's going to be the hamstring, then it's going to be the quad. His body's trying to adjust itself, um, trying to compensate for weaker muscles. So uh, no, we're we're seeing the downward trend of Josie Altador. I love him as a player, but this is the downward trend of Josie, and so. Uh, no, it's only it, it's six or seven years. Yeah, optimistically, he's going to be some team's Terrence Boyd uh, in, in a couple of years. I don't think I've ever seen Jeff more excited than uh, <laughs> learning all this injury stuff. Um, yeah, I kind of made the joke that Terrence Boyd's a, a perfect replacement for Josie Altador because he's a he's a forward who scores a lot when he's healthy, but he's rarely healthy. So it's and yeah. it's basically a like for like replacement. Um, let's let's look ahead to to the game that's coming up in a week because. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to say none of us know all that much about Independiente as a club uh, coming from Panama. But from a Toronto FC perspective, this game is this game was one that way back when when they made the draw, everyone was like, oh, that's a you know that's a pretty easy round one. Toronto FC gets through fairly easily. But now, you know, Vasquez is gone. We we don't know what the heck Greg Vanderveel is doing other than running on treadmills at the <laughs> BMO training ground in Toronto FC gear. So uh, I don't think we're going to see him for that game or either one of the games um you know obviously Jovinko's gone too they're missing all kinds of players for that so uh, all of a sudden this is a Toronto FC team that maybe doesn't look exactly like the one we were expecting going into the season so this could potentially be a, a bit of a more difficult game for them obviously it's a little better that they're starting off here versus again in that minus 20 cold in Colorado but uh, this this one's gonna be, uh, you know, not not the easiest game I don't think, or at least not as easy as we thought it was gonna be uh, when it was first drawn. Uh, we'll start with you, Benedict. I like you mentioned, I don't really know anyone on Independiente. I was looking on online, I couldn't really find anyone that necessarily stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they're from Panama, so coming to play in Toronto when it's gonna be minus 20 with freezing rain and all that, uh, I don't think that's gonna be ideal for pa- uh, players from Panama. So that could play into our advantage if Toronto FC get a couple outdoor practices in before the the game on the 26th. Yeah, I, th- I do think that's a good point. I mean, I think that was probably a massive advantage, and more than more than even an advantage that they made it out to be was, you know, some of the. Uh, I remember Tigre. I think was Tigre the first Mexican club they played. Um, I can't club fully America. remember. Was it Club you America were... first? I think it was or... Tigre first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember Tigre warming up for the game and just the shock on the players' faces. Yeah. Like none of them yeah. were moving. Uh, so I do think that was a massive advantage for Toronto FC in that uh, in that run last year. Yeah, if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's definitely one that uh, we're all going to be very interested in, just to see how the 
how the club kind of comes out of the gate as you have a point on it well it's just a, it's such a hard game to uh um predict um mm-hmm. you know if, if you told me i mean i i defer to the three of you who have a a much more uh, institutional knowledge of soccer or outside of you know mls but um if you guys told me that uh toronto FC would go in there next week and win five nil i'd say that, that's probably that's that's very possible Yet at the same time, if Toronto FC go there next week and lose 1-0, 2-0, I wouldn't be surprised either because the one thing that seems different from this year than last year is inertia. I mean, last year we were on top of the world. The treble mm-hmm. had been completed, and it's like players, management. Nobody, everybody was just itching, and, and there was no bad mojo coming out of the club, right? Everybody was just, you know, w- let's get training camp over with. We have bigger fish to fry and CONCACAF is going to be our, our, our oyster and we're going to show the world that Toronto FC, you know, where we're ranked in the world. And 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 this year it's like, okay, the, the disappointment of, 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 of last season and it's kind of we're limping into this Champions League. So, you know, if you told me that uh, round one upset would occur, I, I I wouldn't put it past this club. It's just been a it's just been a slow negative vibe coming off this offseason, losing players, injuries, and so I, I I couldn't tell. I don't know what to expect to be honest, Mitch. That's a good point. They're basically they basically carried over the uh, the playoff mentality into that that first you know, and they were able to do that because the offseason was almost you know a couple weeks or or something like that uh, in terms of yeah they were just able to keep up that mentality and then they you use the rest of the season as an off season so uh, <laughs> but uh, Benedict you look like you had something to add on uh, add on this game uh, I was just sort of um, mentioning back to how you said that Toronto City kind of came into that playoff mentality and then kind of when they when they lost in the final they kind of dropped off mm-hmm. I was wondering um, think maybe that's something similar we can see happening with maybe Atlanta United or that's something that they'll be able to overcome not according to their fans yeah, yeah. well according to their fans they're going to win the UEFA Champions League this year so. oh yeah, yeah, yeah in perpetuity forever yeah, yeah that's a uh, that's a that's a good question um, I I don't know I mean I, I think a lot definitely did go wrong for Toronto FC that you know maybe won't go wrong for Atlanta United they're also they're also in a better place in terms of their travel I mean for for a championship like this, uh, that's that's something that you know I'd consider. Um, you know, it just doesn't take them as long to get down to Mexico or to other places in, in the area, um, which I think was was massive to some of the things that that happened with Toronto FC. You know, in the Champions League last year, in terms of injuries and just general tiredness after um, after that campaign. So yeah, before we wrapped up on Toronto FC, I just wanted to um, you know quickly as as I said, we have a game in a week. Uh, I'll, I'll go to each of you here. Who's one player that you're kind of going to be watching this season? And hopefully we don't overlap too much, but I do think there's a ton of interesting players, you know, going into this year for Toronto FC, considering how last year went. Um, maybe we'll start with Tej. Who's one player you're kind of looking at this year in terms of either having a bounce back season or you're just curious to see how they perform? Uh, Chris Mavinga. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as 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 teams around the MLS start spending money on forwards, you know, there, there's you know there's been a lot talked about where there's the DP money and TAM money gets thrown around on forwards, and so it's very important. And the defense is possible. Uh, I haven't always caught up, um, but Chris Mavinga is that you know he could be a borderline TAM player uh, in, in my opinion. He he's got the pedigree, and in order for Toronto FC to have a strong season, there there looks like they're going to spend a lot of money up front, but. Uh, the central defense needs to be uh, needs to be uh, locked down. Uh, Drew Moore's injury proved that last year, but unfortunately, that's the same thing that we just talked about um, 
guys is he's coming back injured a year older. You're not going to get anything better from him. So it's going to be really up to Mavinga and Laurent Simon to, to you know, uh, solidify that central defense. But Mavinga's the younger, the more athletic um, version of that player. So that's that's who I'm intrigued. If, if we're going to have any chance, it's going to be up to him to go head-to-head against the other team's best strikers throughout the, the, the tournaments and, and, and hold it down for Toronto FC back there. Yeah, I definitely think with with the other center backs they had, you know, kind of that athleticism is going to be incredibly important with Drew Moore and, and Laurent Simon um, beside him. They're they're going to need him to be at his uh, at his top, uh, you know, the top of his game at all times, just because you know those players bring more positionally, whereas Mavinga can kind of do the running for them. Uh, Benedict, yeah. who, who who are you looking at? Uh, someone is Justin Morrow. Because I think last year he didn't really live up to the expectations that he set after playing what he did in 2017. As in 2017, he won. He was a uh, part of the uh, best 11, mm-hmm. and I think last year he wasn't really part of our best 11, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, especially offensively, I think he didn't have the same confidence. Maybe he wasn't running up the wings as much. Like he scored a hat trick against the Red Bulls last year, for example. But last year he he didn't really show any signs of that. So if you can get back to those uh, those ways, then maybe that would be a way that TFC can improve internally. Yeah, he's an interesting one for me too, just because you know also Toronto FC um, are, are a team who look like they're going to be using you know more of a wide attack next season. So um, you know if they do focus the attack on on wider players, Justin Morrill was a player who was so good at making those runs into into the box and um you know you know being able to get get on the end of balls that they played with the more direct runs so um that's uh that's something that I'll be definitely keying on this season Jeff uh, do you have a player who uh you might be interested in in seeing how they do this year uh I'd like to see how Oso does uh, I think I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping for Chappers to have a breakout year um and I'm hoping for I, I think uh, uh, it would be nice in an ideal world to give Oso the keys to the attack. I don't know if that's going to happen. It might be uh, Puzello. It might not be Puzello. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly won't be Oso. He's uh, he's still going to be a number eight as opposed to a number ten. But I think if we uh, if we invest heavy in a number ten, uh, you know that's uh, it's real pacey, and 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 Oso really uh, plays that you know late arriving number eight. He's going to score a lot of goals, and uh, I'd like to see that happen. I mean, we're paying him a lot of money now. We're paying him Victor Vasquez level money, I believe. So mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see him uh, really, really, really do a, a proper evolution this season, and and not any kind of backtracking. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's one of the you know storylines. I think a lot of Toronto FC fans will be will be watching for this year is is Jonathan Osorio and and whether he can keep this up. And obviously. Um, the the Champions League was so important for him last year. I mean, just getting off to that incredible start. He scored in that first game against Colorado and then basically never stopped scoring for the rest of the year. So uh, if he can have another very good Champions League, I think that's you know that's so important to um, what Toronto FC is able to accomplish this year and what he's obviously able to accomplish personally. Uh, before we finish up here, I wanted to address uh, the last little piece of news in Canadian soccer, which is the fact that uh, related off this CONCACAF uh, Champions League stuff, the Canadian Premier League uh, will at least have a kind of a half spot in in the CCL going forward starting in 2020. 
Um, they'll be part of the CONCACAF League, which I guess in some ways is kind of a Europa League for CONCACAF. It's it's a little more complicated than that, but um, that that is basically the gist of it. I don't want to explain it too much because... Uh, Who it, can? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if CONCACAF can, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know if they'd try. Um, but, you know, I think this is all around positive news for, for Canadian soccer in general. I mean, you know, having getting these teams the opportunity to play against uh, some other you know decent teams in in uh, in the region is is incredibly important and a chance for kind of legitimacy for the league so we'll, we'll start with you Tej what were your thoughts on on this fact I mean it's been rumored for a bit but that um, you know Canadian Premier League teams will I guess have two opportunities to to play in the in the tournament itself uh, everything I know about this situation is exactly what you just told me in the last 45 seconds. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I saw the news and it just was like, okay, yeah. we'll let, uh, yeah, we'll let, uh, we'll let Kurt Larson tell us uh, exactly uh, what this means <laughs> and for CCL and and why it's uh, why we should have more games head to head against Toronto FC for the for this league. But no, I I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't offer anything else onto that, Mitchell. I'm sorry. No, that's that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, to be honest, that's that's a little bit of me as well. I mean, I I very recently found out exactly what the format was and all that stuff. So um, it's you know it's I think it's a positive, but we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with you know I I still don't fully understand the the setup of this. I mean, I I just recently figured out how the Voyagers Cup's going to work this year. So uh, wow. So that yeah, I mean, is... yeah, that's yeah. I'm still confused as to having teams from the same league being randomly drawn into two separate rounds. So yeah, yeah. based yeah. on when they filed their paperwork, that's a new. One. That's <laughs> is a, that is that what it is? Yeah, I think that's so. what yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. Wow. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I don't even know what league Ottawa is playing in next year. So you know, you got you're talking to a very confused Canadian soccer fan right now, Mitchell. So I, I couldn't couldn't elaborate True. anymore for you. I, I think we can all agree at the end of the day that one more spot for champions Europa and the CONCACAF scheme is great. I mean, unilaterally, that's fantastic. Yeah, I have no idea how it happens. So this is the Europa CONCACAF? Europa yeah, yeah, CONCACAF. That's, yeah, that's like kind it. of, without having a better understanding of it, that's kind of what I, the, the kind of uh, comparison I've made to it. Yeah. Fair comparison, and it's awesome. More spots, more, you know, let's have uh, 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 Monterey come to Winnipeg in, in September. <laughs> Yeah, it's just gonna be amazing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Benedict, and, uh, is is this uh, Conqueropa, whatever we're calling it now? Is this like essentially a, a feeder into the into the Champions League, or is it going to be like the Europa League where the winner qualifies, or is it going to be like the Nations League where the winner of the Concacaf League makes it into the Champions League? Holy smokes! Dude, <laughs> absolutely no idea. That These sentence, <laughs> that sentence in itself was just hilarious. How many different Concacaf? This is you. You have an article to write, Benedict. So yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, how many different concept leagues are? Yeah. Uh, so basically, my understanding is it used to be just the top team from whatever they used to call this Concacaf league uh, would qualify for the Champions League. Now it's the top six. I don't know how exactly they get to a top six because uh, it does sound like it's knockout. So um, <laughs> again, I'm I'm confused a little bit by all of this, and um, you know, but yeah, it's it does it it is at least six teams from this Concacaf. Uh, league go on to the CONCACAF Champions League so it's it's you know a decent opportunity for them to 
to potentially get to that next stage and then they go into that group stage style thing which leads into basically getting knocked out by MLS and League MX teams <laughs> which is uh, kind of how this uh, how this works except the one team that beat FC Dallas this year I can't remember who that was uh, but shout out to them right, right, um, right. I think uh, it's like the FA Cup though it is like a weirdo sort of like uh, you know Club Med meets uh, meets uh, rural Canada FA Cup which I did like, yeah yep. So. More more soccer, amazing. More stories, amazing. Yeah, None of this an, is bad. It's an FA Cup if they played teams from like Egypt or something in terms of the travel. Um, oh, I know the travel's insane. It's yeah. insane. It's absolutely insane. Like, yeah. why adopt a European standard to to a you know the, this uh, geography that's so unbelievably vast? It <laughs> boggles my mind. But yeah, Benedict, do you have one last point here? Yeah. So a, f- a follow up question to this sort of confusing. <laughs> Concacaf situation. Why are you asking me questions about this? Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm hoping, hoping that some, someone who listens to this can give us some clarity. Yeah. Is does the winner of the Concacaf League make it, or the or the six? Do they sort of form another smaller tournament like the, like the? Benedict, you realize this is cutting into your arena soccer time, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if it sort of is like the pre-qualification rounds of the UEFA Champions League do we get teams from like Malta and like Kosovo and stuff that'd be or is nuts. it be like yeah first round of the actual Champions League I don't oh. know <laughs> yeah I'm not sure this is all uh you know this is <laughs> they fully restructured everything so I I took the information that was most important to me which was the CONCACAF Champions League and uh I'll get into uh the the uh, Concacaf League—that's what it's called. When we uh, yeah, yeah. when we get there, um, Jeff did give us a, a nice transition into our final topic here, which is uh, the Metro Stars. I wanted to talk quickly because Benedict, you're probably just about the only one who consistently covers this team right now, uh, as they kind of uh, are starting out finding uh, something that I think a lot of people have found out, which is that Mississauga is a, a bit of a difficult market to have local teams. I mean, the hockey teams have found out that a fair amount, but um, they're trying their best to break in, and it's it's a new sport here. What's kind of been that experience of covering uh, arena soccer and and getting to see some old uh, TFC players in the process? It's definitely been a unique experience. Because yeah. before the Metro Star started, I didn't even know arena soccer existed, to be honest. And so uh, seeing all these former TFC players like Dwayne DiRosario and Moba Bully, who are sort of the leaders of this team, and Adrian Can as well, on and off the pitch is kind of a... A unique experience, to say the least. Can the uh, can the Metro Stars qualify for Concacaf League? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't, there's been sort of sort depends of when they file their papers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: I, I went to a Metro Stars game, and 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 um, it's 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 a trip, man. It was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Like they've got supporters groups going now. Uh, you know, there are there are rumors that they're going to try and pull a, an impact kind of situation where they have an indoor outdoor sort of team and I'm speaking for Benedict and and that's his job so I'm going to shut up now. Hey, go Benedict. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Um and I was I was talking to some people from the Saga SG, who's like the sort of supporters group who are yeah. trying to bring Canadian Premier League to Mississauga. Mm-hmm. And they were saying they want they want an outdoor team called the Metro Stars like you, like you mentioned with the Impact who have the indoor and the outdoor. And uh p- part of that they mentioned was um they did mention that it would be a tough market especially with York 9 starting in the Canadian Premier League and also competing with Toronto FC and Forge and all these other teams that are sort of popping up in the GTA. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they're, they're excited and they definitely want that to happen within the next couple of years. 
Yeah, they definitely, uh, I know a lot of the Saga SG guys, and they definitely have one of the best supporters groups of a CanPL team, even if they don't have said CanPL team yet. Uh, but I I do think that's actually, uh, you know, we'll finish up with that. Uh, kind of an interesting prospect is this idea of playing year-round, especially for a league like CanPL that, you know, isn't necessarily going to provide uh, the best salaries for players, at least in the early going. This is kind of a year year round employment for for some of these players and uh, an opportunity, you know, to I, I guess yeah, just have uh, have soccer as their full time job uh, in a way that they wouldn't necessarily get to if they were just playing Canadian Premier League soccer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it would be difficult logistically because the MASL that the Metro Stars play in is obviously an American league and, and privy to American rules and stuff like that. And the CPL, I mean, they haven't played a game yet, so all of this is just uh, is just noise right now. You know, it's all it's all just blind ambition. I could see something like that potentially being worked in the future, but we've seen what happened with the Fury mm-hmm. on the eve of the CPL, and and it looks like Can Soccer and Concacaf are sort of figuring out the lines to draw in the sand. So so it's an interesting time for that kind of thing. Yeah, Benedict, do you know if there's any kind of roster rules? Like, like how are the roster rules work for, for the Metro Stars? Uh, they, they have a league policy where they don't actually uh, reveal the terms of contract. So I can't speak much to that. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an upper body, lower body seen... injury type thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen one player, I think, so far that has signed a multi-year contract. I think for the most part, people go on a year-by-year basis. Yeah. And I, I can see people like, such as a Mobubuli, for example, who's tearing up the league at the moment. Yeah. Um, maybe using this as a segue to get into the Canadian Premier League, for example, because the MASL, the uh, Metro Stars' last regular season game, ends three weeks before the start of the Canadian Premier League. Mm. So that would be enough time to potentially sign a contract and get training with the team. Mm. I like that. No, no roster rules. It's an even. Yeah. I mean, the you add the A to MLS and instantly it becomes even more. <laughs> even uh, more. Uh, Landon Donovan's getting a nice paycheck in San Diego when he starts up yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't believe he's still playing. Uh, at any rate, um, uh, just like his career, we'll uh, or we'll wrap it up before it uh, before we'll be it goes too long. Week. Oh, that was so good. Oh. <laughs> um, thank you, Terrific. thank you guys for for joining me. This is. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We'll definitely uh, do this again as we kind of work through some of the uh, the kinks of an initial, um, you know, uh, roundtable podcast. But uh, this was a lot of fun. And everyone, we do have another event coming up on the 28th with the guys from a football podcast, Christian Jack um, and Stephen Caldwell, the former Toronto FC captain. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Hope to see all of you there. You can get tickets over at homestandsports.com. And uh, have a good week, everyone.